Well, praise the Lord, Church of Omaha. Can we clap our hands to the Lord all over this place? Come on, can we exalt Him for just a moment all over this place? Oh, there's a sweet presence of the Lord right here in this place, right here, right now. Hallelujah. Come on, can we invite Him into this place for just a moment? Hallelujah, you're great and greatly to be praised, oh God. Hallelujah, we worship You and we thank You, oh God, for all that You're doing right here and all that You're going to do in this place. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to welcome everyone to our first half of service here at the Church of Omaha. It's a blessing to be here with you all, and uh, thank you for joining us here. I'd like to shout out to all of you that are joining online. Everybody wave at the camera back there. Say hello, everybody that's joining online. Amen. Amen. Give me a type an amen if you're watching, or give me a virtual high five. Amen if you're watching. Uh, side note, did you know that even if you're watching online, that the Lord's presence is right there with you? Amen. You all know that. Amen. He's not bound to a single building. Amen. Hallelujah. Thankfully. I do also want to give a shout out to our bishop who is currently in Maine celebrating his bishop's 40th pastoral anniversary. Amen. What a great milestone. I'd like to congratulate Bishop Stoops on all that God has done through him during his time in ministry. Amen. And I know that I'm thankful to be under Bishop Powell, uh, who has mighty men like Bishop Stoops that are in his life and that have impacted his life forever. Amen, amen. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Mark, chapter 13. Mark, chapter 13. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. I'll give you a few moments to turn there in your Bibles, on your phones, or what have you. Amen. Let's, let's start with verse number 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogue ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that ye speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And as you're taking your seats and for our time together this morning, God has led me to teach and preach this proclamation. We are messengers. We are messengers. Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, you are the author and finisher of our faith. You go before us, you stand beside us, and you take up what's behind. I thank you, God, for what you are doing right here at the Church of Omaha, in both the people that are here and the surrounding area, Lord Jesus. 
Show us your glory today, Lord. Help us to take heed unto your word and do as you would have us do in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Go ahead and clap your hands to the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Woo! And from the 13th chapter of Mark, the Lord has dealt with me to teach and preach from the following points. And they are carried, crushed, and called. Carried, crushed, and called. Amen. In verse number 10, we read that the gospel must first be published among all nations. Upon doing a quick word study on the word publish, we find that it is defined as to be a herald or to proclaim, not to be confused with the modern day definition of publish, which gives an annotation of something being written on paper, although there may be physical Bibles in these locations that you're going to. This is saying that the gospel must first be preached in every nation. If you look at a few other translations, you put those on the screen behind me, the NIV says the gospel must first be preached in all, to all nations. The complete Jewish Bible says the good news has to be proclaimed to all the goyim. And the NLT reads the good news must first be preached to all nations. So you can see that all translations read the same, that if the gospel is shared, it is preached, it is proclaimed, it is published, it is delivered. But how, church, how has the gospel been and how is it going to be preached in all nations? Are you ready? It has to be taken by someone. It has to be taken to that place by someone. It has to be taken wherever it goes by somebody. That is how it has always been spread, either by letter or by person or by word of mouth. But there was and always will be a messenger. It has to be carried. Someone has to take it there. There has to be a messenger. I look out before me and I see a room full of messengers. The body of Christ is a messenger. Each of you individually and collectively are a messenger. Amen. Now, you may not be called to some foreign country. I know some of you are. But you are called to your neighbor you may not be called to another state, but you are called to go to that store that God wants you to go to that's not your normal store. You may not be called to even cross the city, but you are called to your family that is living in your home. In any and every situation that the gospel is preached, in order for that to be preached, oh, hear me, in order for that to be preached, it first has to be carried there. And as I look at this and was praying, I was having a discussion with Bishop and Pastor Lucas and some others about this, and we began to talk about the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of the Lord as it's referred to, and how God instructed the Ark, the ark to be carried. The Ark had to be carried a certain way. We read in 1 Chronicles 15 and 2 Samuel 6 that the Kohathites were instructed to carry it. Kohathites were a special sect, if you will, of the Levites. Where, when they carried the ark, they had to dress a certain way. They had to walk a certain way. They had to, uh, uh, they had to carry it a certain way as the Lord instructed them. They had to represent it in a certain way. Are you hearing me? 
In fact, in 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 13, something happened when the instructions given by God were not followed. We read in 2 Samuel 6 of 30,000 men that were with David, and they were bringing up the ark of God. They set the ark upon a new cart and brought it out for the journey. And as they traveled, they played in all manner of instruments. They worshiped. They made a joyful noise to the Lord. But watch what happens in verse number 6 of, of 2 Samuel 6. And when they came to Nacon, that Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. O oh, church, if you can just put yourself in the shoes of those who watched this happen before their eyes. I can imagine the fear of the Lord began to rise up in those who were around this time frame around at this scene if you will watching Uzzah being struck dead what Uzzah did was a direct violation to what God had commanded some studies and commentaries I've read through state that this was in direct contempt of the word not to say that the ark would have fallen for we do not read that it did but the fact that Uzzah's reverence to the ark became mixed with what was going on around him my head began to spin a little when I thought about this because we read of many similarities throughout Scripture, throughout other passages, uh, throughout the rest of the Bible. One, one in particular was, do you remember the, uh, uh, the lukewarm church in, in Revelation? The lukewarm church, you know, the one that was neither hot or cold? I can't help but think that Uzzah was getting lukewarm with the ark. He was getting lukewarm in his reverence to the ark. He spent a lot of time around the ark, uh, for that was his duty. That was what he was called to do. He grew very comfortable with the ark. He was one that was in charge of it. He oversaw it. He guarded it. He took care of it. He grew accustomed to it. Perhaps maybe he thought that because of this special task that he was given, that he could do things a little differently than the rest. Maybe that thought crossed his mind, but God's presence is the same for everyone. God demands, if you will, reverence, respect, but not in a way that you have to do this, but that we choose to do so because of our faith in him. And you understand the implications of not doing it. It doesn't matter if you're a leader, a Bible study teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a janitor, or whatever you do, he must be revered the same by all. When Uzzah reached out, it was as if for a moment his brain lapsed. He forgot his familiarity cost him his life. He thought that he needed to steady it, but the ark didn't need steadying. If you look at the passage, it wasn't until after he put his hand on the ark that the oxen began to fall that the ark began to tremble. Now, I don't want to travel down that rabbit trail too long, but that will be for another message later on. But this reverence, which consisted of trust, faith, hope, respect, all of those things was put aside if for a moment. Like this, when Jesus was asleep on the ark, another example was asleep on the, uh, the boat in the midst of the raging storm. The disciples, in their fear of what was going on around them, basically scolded Jesus, which I don't recommend, saying, Master, carest thou not that we perish? 
Anyone ever ask God, don't you care about me? In other words, they were saying, uh, Jesus, don't you care about us? Can't you see that this storm is going to harm us? Anyone ever been in similar shoes, wandering, asking God, uh, Lord, what are you doing with me right here? Why, why do you have me here? It's okay to ask those questions. I'm not saying that's a lack of trust. It's okay to ask God questions like that. Don't scold him. <laughs> Amen. But, but Jesus mildly rebuked them, waking from his sleep very peacefully. They could have been sleeping too if they were to trust Jesus. Hmm. As you continue to read, he did get up and simply said, peace, be still. And immediately, without a moment gone by, the waves died down. The storm clouds began to split apart. The skies became clear. The white crest from the tops of the massive waves that once were disappeared. Their faith dwindled, but for a moment. When you pray to God and you don't feel like he answers right away, are you going to stop praying? When you pray to him and you don't feel like he's listening, well, he is listening. Don't just stop right there because you don't have the faith to believe that he's listening. Build your faith in that moment. Say, Lord, I know you've heard me, and maybe now's not the time. Right. His timing is perfect, amen? His timing is above ours. It, it's not even direct reference to our time, amen? Is your prayer life dependent on him answering you? God help us. I bring that all to say that we must carry the gospel correctly. We must carry it with reverence. As we read in Mark 13, many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and rumors of wars and wars and nations rising against nations saying, the end is not yet. It is imperative that we, the church, carry the word the way that it is intended to be carried, in the way that it is written. Not by enticing words of man's wisdom, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Amen. I'm not talking about carrying the physical book, for the physical copies of this book have only been around for so long. But I'm talking about carrying the word in your heart. You know, I see these places, I've seen these stories of people being persecuted and not having access to a Bible, and when they do, they just sit there and they read it, and they read it and they read it because they know that one day it might just be taken away, so they've got a good reason to hide that word in your heart. Church, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if those such things are going to happen here, but why, why, why can't we have a reverence like that to say, I'm going to study this as often as I can, because one day I may not have access to this physical Bible. I'm not even holding it. One day I may not have access to this so what's going to be here and here what am I going to have to hold on to I'm talking about hiding the word in your heart as we see in Psalm 119 11 where the psalmist proclaimed thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee oh that we would hide the word in our heart that we would hide it in our mind that's why I love Bible quizzing sister Alicia if I were a youngster in the church, I would have loved to have been in Bible quizzing because that is what they do. But it doesn't just stop once Bible quizzing is over. They hide the word in their heart. And I'm not saying, well, if you haven't been in Bible quizzing, you can't memorize scriptures. Because I know a lot of people who weren't in Bible quizzing that have a lot of scripture memorized. Amen? Amen. It's, good, it's a good thing to do to memorize that, but not just memorize it because if you just memorize it for what it says and don't apply it, well... 
Well, <laughs> it, it goes with you. It goes with you. You continue. For when you are faced with a situation, whatever that may be, that a verse is brought to your remembrance for that moment. There's a verse for everything that you're going through, church. Every single thing that you could, you are, you have been ever gone through, there's a verse, there's a passage. God spoke it. It is there. Amen? And we must carry the word correctly. We must proclaim the word correctly. If we are to be messengers of the word, we should know about it, follow it, and carry it in the way that it's intended to be carried. If I walk up to you with my Bible and say that all you have to do is accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would not be carrying the gospel correctly. For the Bible takes it a few steps further, amen? You must, be, you must repent. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. You must be filled with the Spirit. You must walk a holy and acceptable life. You must live holy and acceptable unto God, amen? That and so much more, hallelujah. If I walk up to you and said that you must be baptized in the titles, I wouldn't be carrying the gospel correctly. Number one, because nobody was. Everyone was baptized in either the, the name of the Lord Jesus or in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And it says, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And who's that name? Jesus. Jesus. Carrying the gospel means that we carry it for what it says, putting our opinions aside. For if the word says it, that settles it. That is why Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do we carry the gospel as it's intended? How do we share it as, it's, as we're instructed? By studying, by reading, and by meditating on it. Amen? To rightly divide means to cut it straight. Not beating around the bush saying, well, you don't necessarily have to stop sinning. You don't necessarily have to be baptized. You don't necessarily have to do these things. No, it's cutting a string saying, hey, the word says it. That settles it. We've got to do it. Amen. doesn't matter what I think. I better be following it too. Amen? But when rightly dividing the truth, when you rightly divide the word of truth, you gain an understanding so that you can share that understanding with others. Hear me, messengers. We must carry the gospel correctly. We must carry it everywhere we go, never setting it down for something else. Never putting it on the back burner, for you never know when that moment may come when someone comes up to you and asks you about it. Hallelujah. And as we continue to read in Mark 13, uh, kind of taking it to the next portion, we read specifically in verse 13, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endure until the end the same shall be saved. O oh, church, we may be crushed and brought down, but the gospel cannot be, so we rejoice. <laughs> God is working out his perfect plan, his brilliant plan, and we want to be a part of it. He's working out his perfect plan to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And God does this through his church, not the building, but a body of believers. God moves the gospel forward through his people. 
Each time we read about a hardship that the apostles endured, the gospel continued to move forward, and the Lord Jesus Christ was, is, and will be on the throne every single time. Every single one of those times that we read, every single time to come, the Lord is high and lifted up. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we see and read that we will be hated of all men for Jesus' name's sake, we should take courage. A friend of mine, Myron Weidman Jr., posted something on Facebook earlier this week that said, it's a sign of your walk with God when you are hated by the right people. Oh, and how true that is, church. When I read, when I read that, I, I danced a little bit in my spirit. I shouted, glory, at the top of my lungs. You know why? Because what truth there is to that statement. When you are hated for Jesus' namesake, you know what that means? It means you're victorious. You know what else that means? It means that you're triumphant. You know what else that means? That means you're walking according to how the Lord wants you to walk. Hear me, church. It means that you're doing what God has called you to do. Since Scripture says it and it happens, that is where I can find my courage and strength. Call me strange or odd or what have you. My wife may tell you that I'm a little bit strange. Don't ask her. But I look forward to the day when that happens. I've experienced a little bit of it already. Where, where I experience these hates. You know, where I experience being mistreated in any way, shape, or form. Treated differently for his namesake. <laughs> Not that I expect it, but I prepare for it. Hear me, messengers. We've got to prepare now for that. You know, we've been talking a lot of, on Wednesday nights about being mentally prepared and, and changing some things in our mind and in our hearts and things like that. Well, this is included in that church. We don't know what's necessarily to come. We can read of what's to come, but we don't know what's going to happen to us personally, so why not prepare for it now? Huh? Uh, it's one of those things where I say we can hope for the best but expect the worst. Not that it's the worst because we know that the Lord draws nigh. We know that his, his coming is near. Amen? Church, we must, we must stand firm against persecution. We must stand firm against false teachings. We must stand firm through ridicule and hatred. We must stand firm in the midst of a rampantly sinful culture. Someone say, I've got the power. Oh, come on. Someone say, I've got the power. There you go. There you go. Yes, you do. You know why? Because the Lord gives it to you. Huh? It's not anybody else that gives you the power. It's the Lord himself. Hallelujah. The Lord provides that to you. Amen. If you endure to the end, you will be saved. Enduring to the end is not giving in to this or that, but it's focusing, it's remaining focused on your calling. The Lord Jesus Christ will return again one day. My question is, where is your focus? Is it in the world or is it in the Word? Allow me to say it like this. Reverence to the word eradicates fear of the world. Reverence to the word eradicates fear of the world. The gospel could not, cannot, and will not be stopped. If it isn't in you now, it's time, church, to get it in you. Understand me when I say, and when the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. 
That means that if I won't do it, somebody else will. It's not a battle for who can be the best disciple, for who can be the best uh, witness. It's not a battle for who can have the most scripture memorized. It's not about flaunting these things. Yeah, I I had like 75 Bible studies last week. No. Anyways, um, it's not about that because that's a trick of the enemy to compare yourself to one another. It's a trick of the enemy to think you have to battle with your brothers and sisters around you to be the best it's not a battle at all. That right, that right there causes you not to encourage others. That right there causes division. It is the church rising up together, standing on the battlefield as a body of one, saying, Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. I want to be used by you. Where you lead me, I will go. And I'm thankful that he uses me. I'm thankful that he is using you, leading you, and guiding you where he desires you to go. And as he leads you and guides you, it is imperative that we remain alert, that we remain on guard with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Somebody say, I've got to put on my shoes. That's right. And I've got to keep them on. Don't take them off. A couple weeks back and in times past, you've heard it said from this pulpit that we should never take off the armor of God, your shoes included. We must always be prepared. Just look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 10. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Oh, church, you may be crushed, but you are not forgotten. You may be cast down, but you are not destroyed, because you bear the witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've got a fire shut up in your bones. Hallelujah. The word that you have hidden in your heart cannot be crushed. Oh, your physical bodies may be crushed, they may be bruised, they may be beaten, but his spirit that dwells inside of you cannot. Jesus will carry you, and his word is carried through you, O messenger. When thoughts of what could be, as far as persecution that may come, or famine that may come, oh, that we would remember that this world is not our home, but we are just pilgrims passing through. Oh, and as we are pressed down, may we remember too that sometimes being pressed down, sometimes it brings out that which was meant to come about. Mm. Hear me. When we see, uh, when they use olives to make olive oil, what, is, what, is the, what do they have to do to the olive? Someone tell me. They have to crush it. They have to press it. <laughs> they have to squeeze it. 
You see, church, it may take some discomfort for you to get out there and carry the word. It may take some pressure for you to get out there and carry the word. It may take some crushing for you to get out there and carry the word. You may be pressed, but we use that pressing to bring out the word. Amen. You may be crushed, but, but <laughs> this, this is the best part. You ready? You may be crushed, but with each and every step that you take, remember that you crush Satan under your feet. Remember that with each step that you take, <laughs> Satan is under your feet. He's smelling your feet. You're crushing them under your feet. Hallelujah. Sister Nancy, I, I, I just pointed at you. You were singing a song about crushing Satan under your feet this past Wednesday night. And thank you for that, by the way. You may not have known it, but that ministered to me so much. I'm thinking, wow, wow, Lord, thank you. I, I know. <laughs> amen, amen. I don't remember how the song went, but it's, it talks all about crushing Satan under your feet. And if we can just sing that, we, we can just sing that all day. I'm crushing Satan under my feet. He can't get up. He can't come about me. He's under my feet. Amen. Come on, somebody. Church, we got to go ahead and keep walking. <laughs> go ahead and keep crushing Satan under your feet as you carry the gospel, as you take the gospel with you wherever you go. <laughs> Amen. And as you carry the gospel, as you experience persecution of every kind, of any kind, excuse me, may you most importantly remember that you are called. Amen. You are called. And since you are called... You will be carried as the gospel is carried. Since you are called, you will be carried if you let the Lord carry you. The Lord will carry you. He will sustain you. He will provide for you. He will give you the courage, the comfort, the strength, and the hope that you need. He will sustain you because he has called you. The Lord will lift you up as you walk in your calling. The Lord will sustain you so that you can be the hands and the feet of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord has spoken to me that there are some of you here today who have found yourself in a very low spot. Who have found yourself in a very low spot, whether that be because of a situation at home, at your job, in your neighborhood, whatever it is. You found yourself in a place where you just feel like giving up. Like you just can't go on any longer. There isn't a person in this room that hasn't been there. And some of you are there now. And that's okay. But if you've found yourself there, I want to encourage you today to look up to Jesus. Regain your hope that was once lost. Regain the joy that was spilled over. Find comfort in the peace that God once provided and can and will provide again. Oh, church, you see, walking in the calling that God has on your life is going to take endurance. It's going to take strength. And that strength can only come from Jesus. He is the only one. It's not about who is around you. I shared this with the men of war this past Monday night during prayer, but, but remember when Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus? He stepped out, and walk toward Jesus, but at some point in his walk toward him, it is as if he lost his focus. And as he loses focus on his destination, which is reaching Jesus, he begins to sink in the water. As he sinks in the water, who does he reach out to for help? 
he reaches out to Jesus. He reaches out to Jesus saying, Lord, save me. Oh, hear me, church. In your calling, there are moments when you may grow weak, but in these moments, reach for Jesus. Peter could have just easily reached back to the boat where his friends were, and you better believe that his friends would have rescued him. But Peter reached out for Jesus. He reached out for where he had intended to go, where his goal was, but he had gotten tripped up. And sometimes, sometimes we may get tripped up in our walks with God. Hear me. I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of beating a point here, but if we get tripped up, we, we, most of the time it's because we trip ourselves. We get into something that we're not supposed to get into. But when we get tripped up and we remember those things, oh, yes, Lord, Lord, I need, I need you to get me back on track again. I need you to get me back to where you had me right there. Hear me, somebody. Sometimes we get tripped up, but reach for Jesus. Remember what I said earlier about having reverence for the word and how that eradicates fear of the world. The world will tell you that it's okay to go easy in your walks with God. But God says, I'm all that you need. Take up your cross and follow me. The world will tell you that it'll all just pan out. But God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I have known the end from the beginning. Love this truth and sell it not. And this is where God is wanting us to land. And I have purposely saved this for last. Because through all this, we read at the very start of the passage in Mark 13, 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. Taking heed means to discern, to look, to see, to be advised, to be observant, to have eyes to see. Furthermore, to take heed is to give serious attention to warnings and or advice. To take care to ensure that certain things are done or are not done to avoid unpleasant or ugly results. In this chapter alone, Jesus says it four different times. Either take heed or take ye heed. Every time that you read in the Bible the phrase take heed, be sure to pay attention to what it is saying. Not only take heed, but take action. Taking heed requires action. When you feel yourself drifting away, take heed. When you realize that, oh, I think I may have messed up there, take heed. Do what the Word says to make it right again. To make your relationship with Jesus right again. We may fall, but we get back up again. Amen? We may fall a few times, but we get back up again, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to say this with complete love, so hear me through that lens. But brother or sister, and, and I'm preaching to myself sometimes here because I find myself here. But it's time to begin working through those things that you need to work through. It's time, church, to heal from the scars that have haunted you for so long. It's time like never before to allow God to renew your strength. To allow him to renew your mind. To transform you into who he has called you to be. Amen. Hear me, church. If we are to be messengers of the word, we cannot, going around, we, can't, we cannot go around doing what the world does. If we are to be messengers of this word, we have to take account of every word that comes out of here. <laughs> Sister Powell, I'm not going to try to steal any thunder. I told you I was going to talk about this. But your outstanding Wednesday night series that you just ministered to us. But as you taught this month, many things, if not everything that needs a change here, 
starts with a realization of what needs to change. God will help you. <laughs> He'll lead you to that change. I'm so thankful that we ended this past Wednesday night with a burning of our core fears. For many, it was the beginning of a forever change. It was a necessary step needed to start the process of transformation, the process of transforming our minds. We must take heed unto ourselves. We must take account of ourselves. As I ministered a few weeks back, back about the battlefield of the mind, that is where it starts and taking those thoughts captive. You may not realize you need to take them captive, church, but when it says take every thought captive, that's not leaving any out. Some thoughts we just let roll by the wayside thinking, ah, they'll be gone forever, but then they come back again. I know that there's been a bit of a different twist here at the end, but taking heed of your thoughts or the fears that may come your way will help you endure until the end, taking heed of them. It is important, it is imperative. Jesus said that if you endure until the end, ye shall be saved. So why not give, all, give your all for the sake of Jesus? Why not start working on that now? It's going to be a process. It may take time, but you've got time right now. Why worry about tomorrow for today? has enough troubles of their own. There's enough happening today that I don't need to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I may not even wake up tomorrow. Why worry about the what-ifs? Why worry about what you could have done different? Yes, it is important to learn from past mistakes so as not to make them today. You are not a bond servant of your past. You are not defined by it. You are defined by Jesus. You are defined by what he is doing in your life. You are a child of the one true king. It is time for the messengers to rise up. It is time for the messengers to go. Oh, hear me, church. You've been called. Now go. Let the Lord carry you where you, when you can't carry on. Let the Lord carry you when you just can't seem to take another step. Let the Lord carry you. Let him bring you that peace, that joy, that, that power that he gives you. Let the Lord carry you when you can't carry on because he will do it. And we've got a couple minutes left here, so I wonder if we can just take the next few moments and praise Jesus and worship him right now. If you're feeling imprisoned, go ahead and lift up your hands. Release those shackles off your wrists right now. Hallelujah. Release the shackles out of your mind and let the Lord transform you. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We've got all the time here. We're going to get into our second half here shortly, but we've got to release some things right here in this place. Say, Lord, deliver me. Go ahead. Hallelujah. He is great and greatly to be praised. He's my deliverer. He's my way maker. He'll make a way. He's making a way right now where there is no way. So go ahead and pray to him. Jesus, Jesus, you've sent us, oh God. You've called us, oh God, to be messengers of your word. You've called us to be hearers and doers of your word, God, and to share this word with those around us, Lord Jesus. God, help us. Help us to have a mind for your word, to have a mind for the things that are happening around us, Lord Jesus, to take every thought captive, to begin the transformation if we need to be transformed. Lord, you transform us daily, oh God. You help us, oh Lord, when we need it, oh God. And Lord, we need your help daily because every day, Lord, we must die. Every day we must die to ourselves and be turned to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time, messengers. It's time. 
Hallelujah. Go ahead and take a quick break. We've got about 10 minutes here before the start of our second half. And thank you. Be blessed in Jesus' name.